Welcome back to Know That Really Happened. I'm your host, Joey Estava-Garcy, and does anybody know why all those birds keep following me? It's been a much longer break since the last episode than I intended. November kicked my ass, you guys. Um, I had a rib out of place for like three weeks, and I could barely move my arms or my neck until literally just a couple of days ago. So thank you so much for your patience. And don't worry, I'm not going to be falling off the face of the earth because I've got like 10 more episodes already outlined and researched for you. There's plenty more to come and I'll always come back for you, baby. Today's episode is called Body Politic because I've got some stories for you about bodily functions, political figures, and a little bit of poop. Joining me today is professor and author Brent Meskey my buddy how do you want me to introduce you what, what i do fucking everything uh professor author and self-proclaimed i do fucking everything <laughs> er. <laughs> so literally i've done book cover design i've done book editing i've done formatting uploading audiobook producing so i'm just like a one-stop book publishing shop you're a professor, but like, whatever. Yeah. It's all the other shit. <laughs> I freelance everything. Yeah. How you doing? I'm awake and shrugging off a, a hangover. I'm good. <laughs> what is going out culture like as a adult in Korea? Oh, yeah. It's almost not. Like, I, I, this is like the second time this year I've gone out. I'm, I'm totally lame. I sit in my house and write, um, but... Going out culture for Koreans is vastly different. Uh, I have students come in Wednesday or Thursday mornings and they're like super hungover. They can barely, you know, keep their heads up in class. I have them dashing out of the room. I'm like, is it a, it's like a rough soju night? And they don't even try to lie. They're just like, yeah, so much soju teacher. Like, <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Why the middle of the week? Um, I mean, I did that in college also, honestly. I don't know why I'm asking. Yeah, no, it's just they're, they're brand new undergrads and they're tasting mm. freedom for the very first time. It's funny that you mentioned soju because the other day I went to Total Wine to get sake. And while I was in there, I saw all the different flavors of soju. Mm. And I grabbed one just because I was curious because I'd never heard of it before. And on my way out the store, the woman was like, yeah, all the kids are drinking soju. And I was like, what? Is that accurate? Is that like a trend right now? Korea has really tried to amplify its cultural boost. Like they they paid millions and millions of dollars to get in like Korea into various Marvel movies. Uh, and then there's BTS. It started kind of with Psy and the, and the Gangnam style, but they've really pushed. And there was a one point at which China was just like, no, kimchi is is Chinese. And Koreans were like, bro, we, we have to wrong. tell the rest of the world what Korea <laughs> is That's so yeah shameful we, that they tried to take that china is pretty weird about that stuff but um yeah like squid game tv shows music movies they're trying to get they're trying to get korea out there and so i it doesn't surprise me that soju is kind of getting bigger so you think big. maybe that cashier was like being paid by korea to push <laughs> <laughs> That's possible. I mean, they have they have like a cultural ministry, and that cultural ministry paid the Marvel Studio millions of dollars to be in the first in the Age of Ultron Avengers movie. There's like a ten that. minute sequence where they're in Seoul, 
Uh, there's an entire like train hurtling out of control. It, it, the, the point is that Korea paid for that to happen. And then in the first Black Panther movie, there's a scene in Busan, uh, which is the, the, the far south city that I'm sure like I didn't see the news where they were uh, paid, but I'm sure that the Korean culture ministry paid dang so yeah i really think that that cashier was like trying to influence like <laughs> korea is literally paying her to stand at that register and be like oh yeah this is like the cool thing everyone's drinking for sure <laughs> definitely you should oh my god take. you're not you're not drinking soju what everybody's drinking soju all the and she saw me and my you know millennial looking ass starting to get wrinkly and looking very tired and she was like oh the kids are doing it <laughs> You still Bitch. want to be relevant and cool, don't you, <laughs> old lady? Like, I'm Jesus. 31. <laughs> well, despite your hangover, I really appreciate you being here because I'm about to spill a lot of information about people having inappropriate bodily functions in public. Nice. And that might not be a, an 100% accurate descriptor for these because I sort of started to veer off into just stories about poop. <laughs> Nice. Hopefully that'll still be amusing. Are you ready for the first one? Oh my God. Give it to me. Yes. Here's the thing. I know that you already know one of these and I'm really hoping that you don't know the other ones because I'm kind of shocked that you already knew the one. Uh, you are I a little did... bit older than me. Mm. I don't I'm actually know 41. how much older. Oh my God. You're 10 years older than me. I got a whole decade. Well, your presence in my friend group makes me feel young <laughs> you are like soju to me <laughs> okay uh this first story actually involves mao zedong and then also stalin is in this story oh yeah so buckle up for anyone listening who might not know who joseph stalin and mao zedong were Joseph Stalin was a communist political leader who led the Soviet Union from 1924 until his death in 1953. He did a lot of bad stuff. That's the very, very, very lo <laughs> long and short of it. He did a lot of really bad shit. He initially governed the country as part of a collective leadership, but he consolidated power to become a dictator eventually by the 30s. Once they made him personnel manager, he was just like, and you're in and you're my yes man and you're in and you this yes man is in. And now we all purge everybody who's not my my yes man. Really bad dude. And he also had kind of like a personality cult around him. I was not alive during this time, so I don't actually know. Were you alive during this time? What are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm not like 130 years old. The uh, yeah. Soviet Union dissolved the year I was born, so... You lived through oh. 10 years of it. I mean, yeah, in 1989, I was like, toys, you know. It, right. I, I, you weren't thinking about the Soviet Union. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about Stalin. He, so just kind of like rundown of who he was and kind of his reputation is he oversaw mass repression, ethnic cleansing, huge amounts of deportation, hundreds and thousands of executions, and his decisions led to famines that killed millions of people. Very bad dude, but also had a lot of people who were like very obsessed with following him. So he remained in power in that way. I mean, basically, when the inner circle is like responsible for passing out all of the collected goods, it's like that your your closest twenty five to fifty buddies get everything they want. <laughs> exactly. Of course, I'm going to love this guy. He gives me literally everything I want. Right. Anyway. Yeah. 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 
Venezuela as well. Ooh. Okay, this story is about Stalin and Mao Zedong. Mao Zedong mm. was also known as Chairman Mao, uh, was a Chinese communist revolutionary who was the founder of the People's Republic of China. He was also a communist like Stalin. Um, different, different ideologies, I think. He was Marxist-Leninist. Yeah, there, there was the a fundamental ideological difference, which is why China and, and Russia were kind of close, but never like super allies. That makes sense. Well, they were both like, yeah, communism should spread around the world and take over everything, but China wanted to do it this way and Russia wanted to do it that way. And they were like, uh, we can't agree. The sort of disagreement <laughs> the, the left always seems to have. What do we do? <laughs> Stalin was known for conducting a lot of weird experiments as well. And one that we know of now is that... So a former Soviet agent says that he has found evidence that Joseph Stalin used to analyze excrement of oh his visitors God. to construct <laughs> psychological portraits. Wow. It was very top secret. Uh, later on, when um, top officials were asked about it, they still were very kind of dodgy about it. They would say things like, we can't talk about that. But there was a special department in the secret police to get his hands on people's feces. And they really, really, really were interested in analyzing the stools of foreign leaders because they wanted to be able to, like, get inside people's heads to fuck with them. And, and you, you are what you eat, I guess. <laughs> I don't. Where's that even come? Where's that idea come from? So this Soviet agent said that the scientists had been looking for the following things in the feces. It said, for example, if they detected high levels of amino acid tryptophan, he explained, they concluded that the person was calm and approachable. Tryptophan is what's in Turkey. It's the thing that makes you feel yeah, sleepy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But the lack of potassium in poop was seen as a sign of a nervous disposition or like someone with insomnia. So they were analyzing poop for that kind of stuff. Like it's literal, like mineral content and then deducing people's psychological profiles off of that and then making decisions for how to fuck with them. Wow. <laughs> okay. So th this, I mean, it, it dovetails really nicely into this, into this Russia that I know of that is fucking paranoid, absolutely just paranoid <laughs> about the, yeah about being invaded and about having various world leaders, you know, have influence over them. I know that NATO is a response to Russia, but Russia is like hyper paranoid because they've been invaded so many times. And this is just the crowning achievement, culmination <laughs> of, of that paranoia. I yeah. mean, yeah, Stalin is paranoid anyway, but like, wow. To go this far. Yeah. Ugh. So in December 1949, Soviet spies used this system to evaluate Chinese leader Mao Zedong, who was on a visit to Moscow. They had allegedly installed special toilets in the room that Mao was going to be using that weren't connected to sewers, but to secret boxes where all of his little situation would be collected. So, so for 10 days, Mao's there for 10 days. He's supposed to be there for a meeting. When he first got to Moscow, he was like, China is looking forward to this partnership with Russia. He wants to be treated as an equal and he wants to like have these talks with Russia. For 10 days, they kept him kind of trapped in his room and just continually sent him more food and drinks. Whoa. 
That's astonishing. <laughs> and I guess the purpose of his visit was also to sign some particular agreement. Okay. And Stalin, reportedly, after scrutinizing Mao Zedong's poop, decided not to sign the agreement. Wow. That's a, that's a whole nother level. Like, how many people died because this agreement didn't get signed? Is what yeah. I would want to know. Yeah. Because you, you know, <laughs> you learn in, 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 uh, in history classes that Stalin is a bad motherfucker, right? Yeah. He is one of the worst in history, has possibly been responsible for more deaths than, than, than freaking Hitler, right? But, mm -hmm. but the weirdness... Like, <laughs> Last thing I'm going to say about this story before I move on to the next one is hmm. my favorite part of it. And it's the direct quote. So the person who wrote this article said that he was as much a captive as a guest. As such, Mao shouted at the walls, convinced that Stalin had bugged the house and said, I am here to do more than eat and shit. <laughs> Wrong, sir. <laughs> you are here to shit. <laughs> That's what you think. That is Stalin's entire plan for you. <laughs> so that's the story of how Stalin collected Mao Zedong's poop to analyze it for a psychological profile and then influence actual world events with it. Just astonishing. Can I tell you a really gross one? Yes. Okay, so I have a son, and um, one day he'll never listen to this podcast. No, he will. Uh, and he'll be mortified <laughs> to learn uh, that his very first, very first poop jet black why yeah, i don't know i don't know uh I, we we just like <laughs> made that go away as as quickly as possible <laughs> and i was like i was like he's days old like uh, how does he even i don't know like should he be should he be pooping like what the hell is that is it a little demon thing like oh my god it's terrifying and awful and we yeah we made it go away but it has it has never left. <laughs> oh my God. Your son was carrying some evil energy. <laughs> I think you were supposed to do something with that poop. And because you threw it away, instead of burying it in a mirror lined box, at least yeah. 500 yards away from his birthplace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, now we're, we're reaping those consequences. <laughs> How you feeling? Ready for the next story? Tell me <laughs> the story. I want to know. Okay, great. This is the story of how George Bush Sr. vomited on the Japanese prime minister at dinner. George Bush Sr., for those who might not know, was the 41st president of the United States from 1989 to 1993. The story is pretty short, pretty straight to the point. Nothing else really happened that day. Bush, who was 67 at the time, appeared to be in totally fine health. He played tennis with the emperor of Japan and his son that morning, so like nothing was really going on. But apparently at dinner, something happened and he just kind of turned. <laughs> he just kind of turned and threw up in the prime minister's lap and then immediately fainted. <laughs> I love the idea of very powerful people being super embarrassing. Stories like this make me less intimidated by people mm. because it's like, oh, even this important person can vomit in someone's lap and pass out. Korea. So I don't know how much soju you drink, but just I the find, one time <laughs> I find soju to be vomit juice. So if I drink soju, I will vomit. It is a hundred percent assured. 
Um, and I don't know what it is. Um, I didn't drink it last night. Thank God. Uh, uh, had a couple beers and some whiskey. It, it must affect Koreans, some Koreans the same way, because there are soju vomit puddles every Saturday and Sunday morning. No. Everywhere. Everywhere. No. If, if you walk around the streets, you will just see a big old red ramen filled puddle. <laughs> it's Ew. inevitable. I've seen so many of them. And in fact, last night in the elevator. Ramen filled? Yep. So what they do is, it, I mean, it's the cheapest way to get drunk and have calories in your belly. So ramen is everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It is super cheap. So you can eat it again at a 7-Eleven or a, uh, a different kind of convenience store. We have a bunch. They're everywhere. So for, yeah, for 10 or 15 bucks, you can get hammered and then vomit. And I guess that's a good time. <laughs> you know what? Dear listeners, this speaks to perhaps Biff's writing ability that twice now <laughs> in this conversation, you've managed to just describe something that made me want to vomit. <laughs> buy my books <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get more of this baby <laughs> so my favorite part of this story is that reportedly you know he threw up passed out kind of fell on the floor and as everybody was rushing around him like barbara bush was next to him like holding a napkin to his face and everyone was kind of being like oh no it'll be okay like we'll get you water and whatever Reportedly, he said to the prime minister, why don't you just roll me over under the table and I'll sleep it off while you finish the dinner. Very humanizing. I got I got to say, like, I won't say that I'm a fan of either Bush. Uh, this this one's the better one. But that that's a good line. Yeah, <laughs> that's classy. Yeah, no, super embarrassed. I was going to say that this sounds like quintessentially Texan, but I don't know that that's true. I think it just sounds like quintessentially Eh, blue collar, maybe? Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Like, Bobby, just yeah. roll me under the table and I'll sleep it off. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that was a shit <laughs> rendition. I've never watched that show. Uh, okay, first of all, do it again for the recording, for the audio magic. And also, what? You've never seen? Okay, I'm, I'm being too judgmental. I literally just started watching that show this year. So I need to calm down. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just Bobby. experienced a lot of emotions in the last. <laughs> that sounded like Yogi Bear. Oh, uh, Bobby, roll me under the. T no, no, I've lost it. Oh, this is also some really funny information about this. According to the Encyclopedia of Political Communication, this incident caused a wave of late night television jokes and ridicule in the international community, even nice. coining. Um, this is a word in Japanese. Can you read Japanese? No. Oh, okay. Dope. <laughs> All right. Well, the transliteration is next to it, so I'm just going to trust it. Um, bushu sudu. Tell me. Which literally means to do the bush thing. To pull a bush. <laughs> to pull a bush oh or bushing God. it. I bushed it last night. <laughs> All over my girlfriend. <laughs> the next time you get into an elevator that has a puddle of soju ramen, you can oh. say, oh, look, bushu sudu. <laughs> Excellent. How do you feel um, about that story? I love that story so much because because you have the quintessential East and the quintessential West coming into 
the most hilarious type of contact possible, right? The the East has to be like stiff and never show weakness and like, yes, this is this is fine. Everything is fine here. And the the West who's just like but <laughs> like <laughs> the West who's just like, I sell propane and propane accessories. <laughs> yeah. And and the response, of course, is not like, whoops, my bad, or you know, like this is terrible and I I will apologize forever. It's instead just like, yeah, go on with your dinner. With vomit drying in your lap and, <laughs> and push me under the table so I can just like be not a part of the situation anymore. Perfect. Honestly. Chef's kiss. I understand that. I feel like I've been in situations in my life where something was so embarrassing that I would rather just kind of disintegrate than try to walk out of the room or oh my God, yeah. attempt to take my next breath. Like I would just rather, you know, everyone, can you just turn around and pretend? <laughs> Got another story. Another story about poop? Oh my god! <laughs> I'm you so want to talk about stopping something from happening? Uh, so yeah, my my son again, probably two, or <laughs> three years old. Probably no, probably two. Um, still very much in diapers, and um, I was playing with him. You know, blah blah blah. He's he's on my lap, and then I'm bouncing him a little bit, and then realize there's a smell. We're about to leave. We're about to go out. So, of course, he has pooped, but it is a mudslide. No. Yes. And not only that, but because I was bouncing him on my lap, (gasps) I got a tidal wave right on my shirt and pants. No. That is like, (laughs) I want to say a little bit less yellow than, than the thing hanging directly over your head. (laughs) <laughs> yellow brown. yeah it was brown Idle wave uh, do you know how close i am to vomiting because of all <laughs> of the adjectives you're using to describe this poop yellow uh it was it was real bad and so yeah we stopped the trip from from going forward obviously and then uh had to go and deal with several different situations all at once <laughs> that's yeah, that disgusting one's, that one's indelibly printed on my brain as well you know, I figured your son would probably come up in this in this episode based on what these stories are about. Just in because you're a parent, so you've got poop stories. But he's already taken quite a beating. <laughs> and I feel like there's just going to be more. <laughs> My son, I'm so sorry. All right. So this last story is not a political incident, um, which is what I was referring to earlier that I kind of went off script and just went for stories about poop because I found this one during one of my Wikipedia wormhole sessions and I could not, there's no other episode in my lineup that it makes sense to put it in. And I need to tell this story because tell me this story. the fact that I didn't know it before. Ooh, I'm so excited to tell this story. Are you ready? I am hundred percent here for this. Yes. So if you've ever driven in an RV or gone on an RV vacation, you know about something called Blackwater. Can you kind of surmise what Blackwater might be in an RV? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Uh, I think that Blackwater is the stuff that accumulates. And uh, in, in there's like a, a tank under the bathroom of an RV. So you can go to the bathroom while you're driving. But then when you pull up to a camp, you have to like purge the system. And it's probably the very worst. Exactly. Blackwater is exactly that. It's all the poo and 
pee and other nastiness that you got to empty out of the RV every once in a while. This incident involves an RV. And it also involves Chicago, the Chicago River, to be precise. <laughs> I know this story. Do you actually don't say anything? I think there's a band involved, isn't there? There's a band involved. Yes, tell me this. Tell me this. I need a refresher. On August 8th, 2004, a tour bus belonging to the Dave Matthews Band dumped an estimated 800 pounds of human waste from the bus's Blackwater tank through the Kinsey Street Bridge in Chicago onto the passenger sightseeing boat sailing in the Chicago River below. I could not make that up if you paid me to. Ah, oh my God. What did they had to issue an official apology? I got to assume. Yeah. Yeah. In the legal settlement, the band agreed to pay $200,000 to environmental protection and other projects in Chicago. And the band also donated $100,000 to two groups that protect that river and the surrounding area. And the band's bus driver, Stefan Wool pleaded guilty to dumping the waste in April 2005. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I genuinely lost it there for a second. <clears throat> <laughs> so here's how the incident went down. On that day, um, Stefan was alone on the bus and he was driving to a downtown hotel when he just decided to empty the black water tank as it crossed the metal grates of the bridge. I'm assuming he thought he was just going to dump a bunch of shit into the river and get away with it. Yeah. Stefan, what the fuck? Yeah, what the hell, dude? So the passenger boat, Chicago's Little Lady, was hosting the 1 p.m. Chicago Architecture Foundation tour no. of the river. So these were people who were probably dressed up. <laughs> I can't. Like Can this. you fucking imagine? Can you imagine? Being in your house, you're like, okay, we're going to go to this this tour on the boat. It's going to be a whole bunch of people from the from the local architectural society. And you're not even part of that, but like your wife is, is a, like, yeah, your grandma's on the board. And she's like, well, I want you to be there. You know, like, it'll be a really fun time. Dress up nice. Mm -hmm. And then like you go through the whole, what should I wear? Is this going to be too much? And then you fucking get on this boat. And then all you think of you're sudden, just going to have like a mimosa and like small talk with people you don't care about and then leave. Yeah. And you're in the middle of it's got to be hours and hours. Right. So, yeah, you spent an entire day or possibly several hours prepping for this. And then suddenly a reign of terror. <laughs> <sighs> so I don't know who, like, who was on that boat that needed to receive some karma because that's fucking specific, right? Like, how did that just so happen to be exactly under the bus, too? You know, yeah. it's not like the bridge is two feet long. That's incredibly bad luck. Yeah. And I don't know if maybe you were imagining that this was like a, a boat with like a roof on it. Oh, no. No, is it just, just like a, a big ferry? Is that what that is? While passing under the bridge, the boat received the full contents of the tank on the seats of its open roof terrace. <laughs> Two-thirds of the passengers were sitting on the terrace, on the roof. About two-thirds of the 120 passengers aboard the boat. What's, what's two-thirds of... 80 people. 
80 people were soaked in Dave Matthews Band's shit. Oh, and now I have a quote that might make you nauseous. Oh, this is working out so well. I have a stomach of iron. Bring it. So the filing describes the incident as the liquid waste was brownish. Okay, so actually, I'm just going to go ahead and record a, if you don't want to listen to something disgusting, here comes something disgusting. Skip ahead like five seconds. Don't skip ahead like five seconds. <laughs> you want this. <laughs> <laughs> the liquid waste was brownish yellow in color and had a foul, offensive odor. The liquid human waste went into passengers' eyes, mouths, hair, and onto clothing and personal belongings, many of which were soaked. Some of the passengers suffered nausea and vomiting as a result of the exposure to the human waste. According to the Illinois Attorney General, passengers aboard included people with disabilities, the elderly, a pregnant woman, a small child, and an infant. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. This is... A disaster. That is a disaster. And oh. now, Biff, what do you think happened to this boat after the shit fell onto it? What happened to the boat? No, I want to know what you think. If you were the captain of that ship and that happened that day, what would your decision be for that boat for the rest of the day? I mean, yeah, I would pull into port and be like, yep, that's it. Day off. I'm out of here. I'm going to go take 17 showers and then drink myself into a stupor. Uh, what? What happened here? He did more tours? <laughs> they sprayed the deck off and he was like, yeah, we're going to go again. According to this article, it says the boat's deck was swabbed by its crew and service was resumed for its scheduled 3 p.m. tour. No. Oh, my God. I would have lit the fucking deck on fire. Do we have a flamethrower? <laughs> the yeah. tour that got shot on happened at 1 p.m. So two hours later, they were... Wow. How long did it take them to get back to port, yeah. get everybody off, issue everybody their refunds, and then start cleaning the thing? I wonder if that particular boat is still, like, on the fleet. Like, I wonder if it's still used. Yeah, the ship was called Chicago's Little Lady. Yeah, there it is. Okay. Spacious open air upper deck, baby. <laughs> Wait, did you find it available oh, yeah. for tours? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's a favorite for more intimate gatherings, uh, according to cruisechicago.com. Is it cool? I mean, it's it's a nice little little boat, but um, there's no chance that I would ever be caught dead on this fucking boat. No, thank you. <laughs> Knowing now what you know. So how you feeling? I am utterly astonished the entire chain of events is just amazing to me I'm trying to put myself in in the shoes of somebody hey like what what does a hand on deck use to to swab the deck of that fucking thing like a high pressure hose please for the love of god <laughs> like black water is, is shit and piss that's been like sloshing in on itself for like hours maybe days it's literally black water, like no, stainy. This is, is 800 pounds. That's days and days worth of accumulation. Ooh, I forgot yeah. about that. Oh, my God. It's awful. Like, you can't. I would just quit. I'd be like, the the, the captain's like, okay, swab the deck. You're like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> Swabbing your deck. Get out of my face. You can swab it yourself, captain. Captain, go fuck yourself. <laughs> How much do those deckhands get paid? Not enough to 
clean up days and days of Dave Matthews Band's shit. Oh, no. No way. Does anyone get paid enough to do that? Probably not. So those are the three main stories that I have. Mm. Any more poop stories about your son? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I'm already in big trouble because of this. Um... This episode's going to be called Body Politic and Gabriel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. He's not findable on the Internet, everybody. I stopped posting photos of him years and years ago (laughs) for precisely this reason. (laughs) just in case you someday got on a podcast and started telling embarrassing stories you wanted it to be untraceable right this is easily the grossest episode of no that really happened yeah was not expecting to just be like repulsed (laughs) all afternoon (laughs) oh you thought you were going to come listen to me be a little bit more communist this time no this time we're talking about urine yep i have another story that is i feel like it's more of a fun fact And it's Mm -hmm. also something that people are back and forth about whether or not this is true. And I try to keep the stories on here like very well researched and like we want to make sure that there's firsthand documentation that this thing happened. This is something that in French reports of the story, it's regarded as fact. But in English reports of the story, there's some suspicion. I don't know why that is. It could just be like white people not trusting anyone who doesn't speak English and isn't from the UK. But It could also be that this person wasn't trustworthy. Who knows? So do you know the song? You probably do. God Save the Queen, God Save the King. Yep. God Save the King is the de facto national anthem of the United Kingdom and one of the two national anthems used by New Zealand. It's also the basis for like a few other songs, right? There's an American song, right? My Country Tis of Thee. That's Mm, what it is. Okay. At least at the point in time when those songs were being written, it was a common tune to use. And there's some speculation as to where that tune came from my new favorite piece of information about this song is that it was written to celebrate the successful operation of louis the 14th's anal fistula yeah (laughs) a situation so dire they had to make a song about it yeah so i thought that was just gonna be like the end of the story it was gonna be Mm -hmm. the end of what i tell about the story and it basically is, but like, for whatever reason, Louis XIV had several anal fistulas, and at the time, anal fistula surgery was not common whatsoever. It was brand new. At the time, within like medical history, for some reason, there was kind of like a push and pull between physicians and surgeons. Very interesting. The position of surgeon was seen as less, less prestigious than physician, and there was some like because well, barbers were surgeons. Mm-hmm. It was like, that, I have a bunch of cutting tools and I can cut your leg off if I have to. <laughs> maybe that was it. That like physicians were like, oh, we went to school. You just learned how to use a knife. Yeah. Something like that. You have like a that. bone saw. We have tinctures and unguents. Right. So there's some of that going on. An anal fistula surgery going well was like kind of a big deal especially because it was louis the 14th anal fistula fuck is an anal fistula it's like a hemorrhoid i just remember being like really surprised about how well documented like every single step of these two anal fistula surgeries on louis the 14th were there's very very detailed notes about like who was involved in like planning it who was involved in researching it the king's reaction every time how long it took him to recover, 
Louis the Fourteenth, the one who refused to bathe. I don't know about that. Louis the Fourteenth was the Sun King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was... I'm pretty sure he decided, nah, water is not good. I'm bathing, not good. And oh my god, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Let let me check. And if I'm correct, the smell was such that like people would congregate near windows. Ugh. Yeah. Ah, yeah, there we go. Louis XIV was terrified of bathing. Uh, this is according to perfumesociety.org. He is said to have taken only three baths in his life. Maybe that's why he had heinous anal fistulas. I mean, clearly the guy is very fucked up, but like <laughs> he had children. Oh, yeah. People had to have sex with him. He had sex with women while like being in a fetid aura. He was just layering more and more perfume on, probably. Yeah, probably. Oh, God. Ugh. In the winter of 1686, Louis developed a tumor in the crotch area. It was described in detail by his personal physician, Antoine Daquin. On 15th of January, His Majesty complained of a small lump in his crotch, two finger breadths in front of the anus, which was not painful to the touch, with no redness or throbbing. <laughs> yep. His Majesty became increasingly irate over the abscesses, which continued to leak pus, forcing him to change his clothes two or three times every day after dinner. Wow. I mean, take a fucking shower, bruh. <laughs> what he needed to do was just practice hygiene. Right. And so this part describes a couple of the treatments that were being used. It says the pain was pronounced, but every time he felt better, the doctors continued their treatment sessions consisting of enemas and laxatives which only served to aggravate the misery. After four months, the formation of a fistula was suspected. Most likely, the constant treatments with a red-hot iron had helped increase the size of the crater. Treat the, the red-hot the red iron. You said the red-hot iron treatments. I did. Apparently, one of the Upon his arse. Upon his arse. They thought that using a red-hot iron on his hemorrhoids would make them go away. Shockingly, it made them worse. Oh, man, I feel like he brought this on himself. Uh, and here's the thing, like we're talking about the, the highest political offices in the world. Like mm -hmm. nobody can tell this dude what to do. Exactly. But these physicians told him what to do to the point where he had a red hot branding iron pressed against his anus. <laughs> so who was really in charge of France? Who was really in charge of France? <laughs> It says that after having struggled with pain and other discomfort for many months, the king realized that the physicians were powerless and he decided to undergo surgery. So up until this point, he hadn't. This is what I was talking about with like surgery in general was brand new. Like people mm. didn't really trust surgeons. So they were he was going to his physicians who couldn't do anything other than burn his asshole with hot iron. So he finally decided to undergo surgery. Everybody was too scared to do the surgery because he's King Louis XIV of France. Um, mm. Nobody wants to like be the reason that he dies or gets like an infection because like he could have them killed or have their whole families, blah, 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 blah. So apparently there were a lot of guinea pigs to this anal fistula surgery because oh, they were there, so nervous. There were test fistulas. Mm -hmm, there were test fistulas. So much of medical history is fucked up, right? But yes, like this is so fucked so up. So much of it. There were guinea pigs. The identities of these guinea pigs are unclear, but patients from hospitals in the town of Versailles have been mentioned. Historians have tried to figure out 
how they fared or where they ended up or if they worked or more accurately try to figure out how many of them died but it seems that well okay so it's rumored that the deceased were buried at sunrise and with no church bells in unmarked graves and stuff to like hide the fact that they were experimenting on people jesus Ugh. dude brings it on himself causes a whole bunch of other medical patients to end up dead they don't even get the the courtesy of a, a proper burial man fuck the royals throughout yeah. all of history god i mean the french revolution makes sense you know so much sense so only one patient is thought to have survived so i'm assuming that means that they got it right once and then decided it was time to try it the first one went really well apparently he you know got his personality back the second time it happened he died from gangrene afterward and that's what ended up killing king louis XIV of france gangrene from an anal fistula surgery gone wrong but the first time is when god save the queen was written yeah. supposedly it's it's a big deal <laughs> glad we didn't live back when we needed to have um red hot irons pressed against us and the or, hope that they would solve our problems or test anuses you know i'm also glad that we don't live in a world where we go visit our friends and they test our poop for our psychological profiles oh my god yeah <laughs> So how do you feel about those stories? You feeling good? Feel like you can take on the rest of your day? Sounds hangover? Yeah. Yeah. I, this this has helped me. Yeah. Really get, uh, really get the blood pumping. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that really happens. Most disgusting episode. <laughs> I'm so proud. I could not be prouder. Is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want people to look up? Uh, I have a series of seven superhero books, and the first one was apparently good enough to be shown to an entire district of sixth graders. So 1,200 kids read my book about 10 years ago. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. It's free, which is probably why oh, cool. it was chosen as well. <laughs> <laughs> the subsequent six books, not free. Hopefully, you'll be sucked in after the first book. Um, Super Nobody. So go on Amazon and grab it. Hell yeah. Check that out. My latest audiobook, Candle Magic for Beginners, will be on Audible soon. I haven't gotten the notification yet, but it should be soon. Um, so check that out as well if you're into audiobooks or uh, witchy shit, which, you know, this is a witchy-friendly podcast. This podcast is definitely flagged by the FBI. Like, there's no way. If I very suddenly stopped doing this podcast, I didn't choose to. <laughs> Just so that's on the record. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in for this third episode. I'll be back soon with another set of unbelievable stories. If not before the end of December, at least I'll get to start my new year with all of you. I hope the knowledge that you weren't a passenger on Chicago's Little Lady helps you sleep easier tonight. And go ahead, treat yourself to some soju. It's what all the kids are doing. 